0: Now I want to draw your attention tonight to a little statement in verse 9 of Genesis chapter 3, where God says to Adam, where are you? Very simple words, words that we can all remember, words that are so important, not only to Adam, but also to every one of us as we are gathered here this evening. The Garden of Eden must have been a beautiful place to be. I'm sure that many of you love gardens. If you belong to the RHS, you can go to some beautiful gardens around this country. But can you imagine a world with absolute perfection? Everything perfect. Trees, flowers, animals. What a magnificent place must have been, the Garden of Eden. And had you and I been there in that garden, we would have had our breath taken away. We would have seen the wonder and the wisdom of the Creator. We would have been amazed at the ability to see and the absolute way in which the Creator had brought these things about. It would have been amazing to breathe perfect air and have a perfect relationship with God. Can you just imagine that for a moment? What it must have been to be in a relationship with God that was unbroken. To walk with God as a friend. To know what it is to be a friend of God. But there was, of course, a prohibition in that garden. And it was a clear prohibition. For in chapter 2 and verse 16 we read, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. You've got a free hand in this garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now there was a very clear prohibition. And there was a very clear warning as to what would happen if Adam ate of the fruit of the garden. But there was a serpent there. And he was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. If you eat, he said, you can improve your status. You can actually be like God. For well, God knows in the fifth verse that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God. God. Knowing good and evil. What a temptation. To be like your Creator, if you will only eat of the fruit, it's been hidden from you. You can be like your Creator. You're no good and you're also no evil. What an offer to Adam in the Garden of Eden. And it's been rightly said that the first three chapters of Genesis hold the seedbed of every essential Christian doctrine. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one well wine. And she took of its fruit and ate. What a disaster. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Disobedience to the Creator. Listening to this serpent. And immediately the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And down through the generations man has made himself coverings for his own disobedience toward his creator. Suddenly they were stripped of all the honours and joys of that remarkable paradise they were ashamed of their own nakedness and there in that garden darkness filled them and what happened in that garden was the greatest disaster that has ever taken place in the history of the human race sin entered And fear seized them. And things were the opposite of what they had been. And then they heard something quite remarkable. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the call of the day. God came walking. He didn't come running he came in human form and nearly 4000 years later there was going to come another coming to this world of the lord jesus who would come to seek and to save that which was lost he was not hot or hasty even though all he knew all that would be necessary To rectify this terrible and this awful disaster. And God calls to Adam. Where are you? They were playing hide and seek with God. They were hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And they were hiding among the trees of the garden. As if you can hide from God. God called Adam gently kindly compassionately where are you and here is the first word to the first sinner after the first sin and the effect of what took place there in the Garden of Eden will be devastating And it would ripple down to our world in 2023. We think of Wuhan in China. We think of the beginning of the COVID infection upon the human race. And that COVID could be passed from one human being to another. (coughs) But this disease... Every human being, apart from the person of the Lord Jesus, would be born with it. For they would be conceived in sin and shapen in iniquity. And God comes out to Adam. Oh, Adam, you were the high point of my creation. I made you in my image. But where are you now? You see, after this terrible disaster, the great God of heaven takes the initiative. He wants to bring Adam to a sense of his wrongdoing. He knew where he was. But he wanted him to own up. Many years ago, we fostered a boy... he was a difficult boy he'd been in a number of foster homes and we had him for a year and he would sometimes go off and you'd have to call the police and I remember on two occasions the same policeman brought him back and he said to us why do you do this job? And I would say to this boy, I would say, where have you been? I knew where he'd been. But I wanted him to own up. And he never did. And neither would Adam. God took the initiative with a gracious question as a kindness to him. And always God comes like this to the first man and woman. Knowing then in the fullness of time God would send his son in human form to seek and to save that which is lost. The good shepherd would come and he would come and seek after sheep and say to sheep, where are you? It is a heart-melting question. He should have owned up he didn't. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That's man all over, isn't it? And and God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And you see, sin makes a person pass the buck. It's not me. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And from then on, it would be very difficult for man to own up to his own wrongdoing. And he passes the buck. It's not me, she's responsible and you gave her to me. When I worked in London there was a man called McNamara. He'd been an Irish Guardsman and he was an alcoholic. And I liked McNamara. He kept himself very tidy even though he was homeless. And one day he he was arrested. He was arrested for stealing a mailbag on Waterloo Station. And when we went to see him, this was his defence. Well, if that mailbag hadn't fallen off that truck, I would never have picked it up. Always passing the buck. And that's really what Adam did here in the Garden of Eden. This man had been caught red handed and he tried to get out of it. And the terrible thing about sin is it makes excuses for itself. Ever since the Garden of Eden, Man makes excuses for his sin. He hides behind self-righteousness. I would never do that. I am a good boy. I've never done anybody any harm. He hides behind atheism. He hides behind agnosticism. Man has been hiding from God. down to the generations God would send his prophets and they would declare the sin of the people in their day saying where are you? where are you? and to it all there would be the opportunity of forgiveness and it comes to you tonight young person here older person here And he says, where are you? Where are you? Adam should have owned up. I was a fool. I did wrong. I know, Lord, I haven't a leg to stand on. I have no excuses. You told me not, and I did it. And the devastating effect of what took place here in Genesis chapter 3 will be felt until the very end of time, until the final day when the Lord Jesus would come again upon the clouds of heaven. And God says to the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain, you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall shall rule over you. What awful words they must have been. And then God has to speak to Adam and say to him, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. To you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. What awful, and what terrible, heart-wrenching words they were. God foresaw it all, but there was also a plan in place. Well he says in verse 15 of this chapter and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. A crusher would come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. His heel would be bruised when he was pierced and nailed to the cross. But he would come and ultimately destroy the devil's powers and overthrow his kingdom. And when the Lord Jesus was here, he resisted all the devil's powers, he cast out demons, he dealt with that man legion. He rescued people from his hands. A picture of what will one day take place, one day. And when he died on Calvary, he gave a fatal and awful blow to the devil's kingdom, for he opened the door of forgiveness for everyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. And Satan would one day be cast into the lake of fire. But on that day, there was no re-entry into the Garden of Eden. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life there was no re-entry one of the old translations of Targum, put it like this and he made the glory of his Shekinah or glorious majesty to dwell of old at the east of the garden of Eden over or above the two cherubim that flaming sword had to be dealt with to get entry back in. And it fell on the Lord Jesus at Calvary. For well, there at Calvary, there was a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. It pierced the Son of God to his very soul. Because it was from the soul that Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. Christ bore the punishment for Adam's sin and for the sin of all who will truly trust in him. And now on Calvary, the Lord Jesus cried out, Where are you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a Black Friday it was. A terrible Black Friday. the Lord Jesus Christ it was awful terrible as he descended into hell there on the cross in order that the free gift of salvation be offered to you and be offered to everyone and Jesus gives forgiveness free but the greatest cost to him I remember preaching some time ago on the greatest question we could ask and that's in Acts chapter 16 what shall I do to be saved have you ever owned up have you ever done the opposite of what Adam did there in the garden of Eden have you ever recognised that you are guilty before God you have no one to flee. You have no excuses. Often in a court of law, a person changes his plea to guilty where the evidence is stacked against him, hoping that the judge will be lenient with him. Look at all of your life. What does it tell us? Tells us like the preacher here tonight that you have been born a sinner and that God knows it all. That he knew it all here in the Garden of Eden. And God sees it all. And he knows every motive that you have ever done. There's no escape. He is ready to hear you to hear you in your own heart in this place this evening own up, young person, own up is willing to rescue you and I pray that through this word where are you (coughs) that you will answer that question in your own heart honestly I'm in my sin. I've been brought up in a Christian home I've heard the truth I know the Bible I'm thankful that I was had faithful Christian parents that taught me the things of God but I've never come myself and I know I'm about to start out on life's journey and all around me there are terrible temptations And I know that I have a heart that's inclined toward those temptations and I know that I've fallen for them at times. I know that I have a nature that is sinful. And I need that nature changed. And I'm coming to the one who is the ultimate answer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to him tonight. Young person here, oh how my heart bleeds for you. If you know not the Lord Jesus. And I pray that you will come tonight. In all your need. I know the wonderful love and grace and forgiveness. That only the Lord Jesus can give is available too. You know I read just recently I take a great interest in the work in prisons and there were recently four baptisms in Wakefield prison. Now if you know anything about Wakefield prison it's a category one prison where they hold some of the worst criminals in this country and there were four baptisms in that prison and that tells me the wonderful grace of God to somebody who perhaps has committed murder and all manner of awful things I wasn't told who these people were and I'm glad I wasn't and if Those kind of people can be saved, which they can. So can you tonight in this place. And I would plead with you, young person, older person, the most important thing in life is to know the Lord Jesus. The most important thing is to be saved. People went to bed last Sunday night. 28,000 at least ended up in eternity there was one pastor and his wife who ended up in heaven as others did too where would you be if tonight was your last night in this world I pray my friend that you would be in heaven And that you would be saved by the amazing grace of a loving God. Because I have a God who takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Whether you like it or not, the Bible says that by nature we are all wicked sinners. And we need the wonderful salvation that only Christ can give will you not come to him in your heart tonight and plead with him to have mercy upon your soul your sin is great it's known to this God it may be as high as the heavens but I tell you that one drop of the precious blood of Jesus can remove that mountain of sin and you can know what it is to be cleansed in the sinless blood of the Lord Jesus. Oh, that you would come tonight I know what it is to be free and know what it is to be a child of God. Know what it is to be turned from darkness into marvellous light. Know what it is to take a glimpse of the one who was terribly wounded for your transgression and bruised for your iniquities. The one who took your place, if you would trust in him. And I plead with you, where are you? Own up, be honest. And having owned up, lay hold upon the Lord Jesus who alone to give a full and free forgiveness for anyone, whatever they have done, if they will but turn from their sin, recognize their problem, and turn to the glorious person of the Lord Jesus. He's in heaven, and he's ready and willing and able to save you. And I pray that you will turn to him tonight. Older person, perhaps you've come to church all your life and you've heard the word and you like the people, but you've never come. I plead with you that you will come tonight. Younger person, oh how I long. And people long in this place. I know they do. They long to see you saved. I pray that you will come tonight. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad. You see, this God is a wonderful God of grace and grace is God's undeserved kindness. And that undeserved kindness is found in Jesus Christ and you can taste of it tonight and know what it is to be ransomed healed, restored, forgiven I pray that you will know it tonight and that there will be rejoicing in heaven over sinners repenting wonderful thing to be saved It's a difficult thing to own up to sin. It is. Because it means to say the most difficult word of all, sorry. Sorry to God. And maybe even sorry to others. I've told this story before, but I tell it again. When my father was saved at the age of 79 going to be baptised at 80. And he rang me up the week before he was to be baptised and he said to me, Ray, he said, I went to my over-60s club on Friday and I tried to tell them something that had happened to me. how I became a Christian and some of them laughed at me. And I said to my old dad, I said, Dad, I'm sorry to hear it and he said don't apologise because he said I remember so many of the things that I used to say to you and I couldn't be baptised next Sunday without giving you an unqualified apology for everything you see my friend when the Lord Jesus touches the heart he changes the life and he brings about reconciliation between families man to man there's an openness, there's an honesty. And I pray that even tonight that there will be those who shall come to the foot of the cross. Jesus is ready, willing, and ready to save you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've got other things I had other things to say in these notes tonight and I've put them to one side. I pray that you will be saved tonight in this place let us pray Lord God Almighty what can we say Eternal realities are at stake here. Most important thing of all, that you know those here who know you and those who are still strangers to grace. And we pray that by your grace that you will make them not strangers to grace but friends of grace. That you will make them by grace your children. We often sing that old hymn, His blood can make the foulest clean. Oh, may they be able to say His blood availed for me. Come down, O God, this night and touch lives. Touch the lives of the young people here who know you not. We thank you for those young people who do know you and pray that they will grow in the grace and in the knowledge of their Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Pray for older people. You know who they are. We pray that you will save them too. That there might be for your glory a great and gathering of souls, that heaven might rejoice, that there might be rejoicing over sinners repenting. For Jesus